audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, church, I'd like to start this morning off with a little encouragement. You ready? Yes. I love that. I want you to think about the church. I want you to think about the church from all over the world. Think about the church from all over our city. Think about our church. Think about churches small, churches with larger congregations, churches in small country towns, churches in urban inner cities, churches in the suburbs, Churches with all of the good things, all of the ministries, all of the positives. Churches with all of the struggles, the not so good, the uh, seasons of transition. Think about churches, let's broaden it, um, across all languages. Think about across ethnicities and cultures. Think about the church, the pastors the people, the elders, the deacons, the staff members. Think about the churches. Think about the churches right now who are gathered together, who are singing together, who are preaching, who are praying together. Think about the church. I want you to hear me. Here's my encouragement. There is no outside threat No outside threat that is strong enough. No outside threat that is able to destroy the church. Nothing, nothing, no one, nothing is strong enough to extinguish the the church. There is no persecution powerful enough. And believe me, they've tried. The church has survived relentless pressure and persecution. Church buildings have been destroyed, been burned. Church people have been imprisoned and even killed. But the church stands. In fact, historically, let me just push on this a little bit. Historically, as we look at it, when the church is persecuted, when the church is facing that kind of pressure from the outside, do you know what happens? Historically, the flame is fanned. And the church is not destroyed, and in many cases, the church spreads. The church multiplies and spreads when she is persecuted. In fact, in the early church, we read in Genesis, Jesus tells the early church, go, spread, right? They don't. You know what makes them do it? Persecution. And the flame is spread, and it's spread, and it's spread. See, the church... One, way to, one for sure way to see exponential growth in the people of God is to persecute it. Because under that pressure, the church is more reliant on Christ and a reliant church. Now that's a powerful church. There is nothing, absolutely no one who has the ability to destroy that. Jesus says that I will build my church. He says this to Peter, Matthew 16, and he says the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against that. 
They will not prevail. So here's the encouragement. There is nothing out there, church, that you and I need to fear. There is nothing that the world can do, nothing that the world can throw at the church that we need to fear. And that is good news. Because instead of fear, we pray. Instead of fear, we're bold and we proclaim the gospel. But I want to ask, that's one kind of threat. I want to ask, though, what about the other kind of threat? What about the threat, not from out there, but what about, church, the threat from in here? I want you to think about something with me. Peter, who wrote Second Peter, uh, writes this letter in a time of intense and extreme persecution. Um, about as intense as the church has ever seen. Peter wrote this not only under extreme persecution, but he knows his time is short because of it. He writes this knowing his very life was in jeopardy, his time was short, and he knows that the church is going to face incredible hostility and persecution and violence. And knowing that, he, he chooses to write, well, in your Bible, we have two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. The first one, 1 Peter deals with perseverance, encouraging the church. In light of that, stay strong, persevere, be strong in the faith. In other words, remain strong when you face pressure from out there. Remain strong. That's 1 Peter. 2 Peter, our letter today. Peter is dealing with, in some ways, an even more serious attack. It's not the attack from out the attack from out there. No, in these final moments of Peter's life, Peter focuses the church on the attacks from within. Church, the, Christ is building his church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail. We don't need to fear attacks from out there. We don't need to fear. We face these attacks from out there side the church all the time, but church, we need to realize that we also face attacks from within, and church, those attacks are many times far more devastating and more deadly, and those attacks, we are called to take action against, and that's what Peter is walking us through here. This is what we are looking at in Peter's last few days as he writes this letter. He gives us He starts with a warning, and I want us to walk through this with me. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people. So anytime you, you are reading scripture and the first word is but, okay, that should be a a kind of ping your radar to figure out what is, it's a contrast word, so it should be an indication for you to say what's coming before this. So in this case, we are, we are looking at what we looked at last week where Peter is talking about the words of the prophets that are being fulfilled, that they're trustworthy. He says in verse 20, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, Peter here is pointing our attention back to the prophets. Prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Joel, Amos, pointing our attention back to their words, back to their ministries. 
And he's saying, look, they were inspired by God himself. They spoke and they were mouthpieces of God. That's who they, they were carried by the Holy Spirit. And Peter is showing us in what we looked at last week, they can be trusted. Their words can be trusted. You can trust the words of Scripture is what Peter was setting before us. But now we look in our text and it starts with but. But false prophets also arose among the people. In other words, during the time of Isaiah, during the time of Jeremiah, during the time of Elijah, during the time of all of these prophets, there were also false prophets that were coming up at the same time, um, that were rising up from among the people, not outside, but from within. They rose up and they were claiming to speak truth, and they weren't. They were claiming authority that they didn't have. They were speaking lies. They were looking to benefit themselves, looking for their own gain. Uh, So we see several examples of this. I won't bog us down here this morning of in the Old Testament when this happens. I do want to share one of my favorites, though. Uh, It's it's a man named Shemaiah during the time of the prophet Jeremiah. And I picked this one because Jeremiah was not a a popular prophet. Uh, He was given... God gave him a very heavy message. It was heavy. It was, this is not going to end well. That was his message. His message was, this is going to end in judgment and in, even in exile. It's not popular, especially as the people of God faced exile. They were like, thank you, right? He was not the most popular prophet. It wasn't what the people wanted to hear during that time. And during that time, was when Shemaiah steps up to the plate. says, I got this. And he calls the priest, speaks to the, the, the people, and claims to speak from God himself. He claims authority he does not have. In Jeremiah 29, he appears and, and he um, it says, the Lord has made you a priest instead of Jediah, the priest who have, um, to have charge in the house of the Lord over every madman who prophesies. The madman he has in mind here is, is Jeremiah, right? Uh, to put him in stocks and neck irons. Now, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah? He is, for he is sent to us in Babylon saying, your exile will be long. It is not a popular message, right? So here he is speaking directly against the message that God gave Jeremiah, speaking directly against Jeremiah himself, saying, why have we not dealt with this madman? Lock him up. And here is what we read. Zephaniah the priest read his letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. So Jeremiah is getting to hear what, um, what he said about him. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, send to all the exiles, saying, Thus says the Lord concerning Shemaiah, because Shemaiah had prophesied to you when I did not send him, and he has made you trust a lie, therefore thus says the Lord, behold, I will punish him and his descendants. And he shall not have anyone living among this people. God takes this seriously. God takes attacks from within seriously. He always had. God deals with false prophets seriously, and he always has. So now Peter contrasts that. He says, remember when false prophets did that back then? 
Here in the same way, Peter says, just as there will be false teachers among you. The enemy does not have new tricks. There's nothing new under the sun. Yes, he attacks the people of God. The enemy wants to attack the people of God from the outside. But his favorite and most trusted weapon against the people of God is often the attacks from within. Those from within. Peter says, church, there will be false teachers among you. And here is what they are going to try to do. They, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. I want you to notice the word secretly. I debated whether or not to use this example. I'm going to. I'm in a mood this morning. Um, I was reminded of the movie Night at the Museum 2. Anyone? <laughs> okay, good. There's a scene. I was hoping someone, because this would have been totally lost. Anyway, there's a scene where all the good guys are trapped in a metal storage container. They're all trapped in there, and in the container's being guarded. Um... And inside the container, they're huddled together, and they're trying to come up with a plan to get out. And a part of this group was General Custer and Sacagawea, and they were talking about the plan. And if you remember the scene, I'm sure it's coming to your mind right now. But um, in this scene, General Custer starts to lay out the plan for how they are going to attack. And he says, I even downloaded the script, guys. I'm, I'm a dork. Here we go. Here's the plan. On the third bugle blast, I shall loudly announce attack. At which point, we will all jump out of this box and attack. And he goes, mind bomb. What do you think? And there in that little storage container, Sacagawea is hearing this, and you can see all of them kind of puzzled. And she makes this simple observation. But won't yelling, attack, alert the enemy that we are about to attack? Now, as I think about that ridiculous scene, I sometimes think that that's the way we think the enemy works. On that third bugle blast, you're going to hear a loud, I'm a going to attack you. And then they attack. The enemy's plan is never like General Custer's plan. Never. There's never a loud bugle blast. There's never a loud yell of attack. It's not the way it works. Instead, Peter says, this is done in secret. In secret. Subtle, secretive attack from within. And it's this attack that is often so effective. As verse 2, follow with me here. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. There is nothing new under the sun. The enemy doesn't change his tactics because he doesn't need to. They are just as effective today as they were then. Peter continues, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They will come to you with false words. They will exploit the people of God. They will exploit the church because of their greed. And just as the enemy's attacks don't change, neither does our God in the way he deals with them. 
And listen to what Peter says, their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. This is very similar language than the language that we see in Jeremiah as God dealt with those false prophets. There will be judgment for this kind of attack on the church. And Peter is writing here saying, be aware, know that this is coming. Know that this is coming. Look out for this. And remember, Peter is writing this knowing he's not going to be around forever. His time is short. He's not going to be around forever to combat these attacks. The apostles aren't going to be around forever to guard against this. And so Peter is calling us, the church, to be aware, to be on guard, and to fight against attacks from the inside. And here's the reality that point. Peter points us to. There are those among us who, whether it be because of greed, sin, sensuality, they will seek to exploit the church and to lead the church away from the Lord into sin and into uh, away from the truth of God. There are those among us, as Peter directs our attention to, there are those among us that would seek to lead us astray from the truth of Jesus. Peter says, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. In other words, Peter is making clear, there will be those who claim to teach in the name of the Lord who will teach destructive teachings and heresies that will in fact lead the body of Christ away from away from Christ who purchased them with his blood. Peter says, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And this will continue to happen. So I want to ask you, have you ever seen this happen? We read, you know, letters like this and we think, wow, it must have been bad back then. But this was written to us This was written to the church between the time of Peter, the apostles, to the time Christ returns. And Peter says, this is coming. This is the plan of the enemy. So have we seen this happen? Have you ever seen an attack like this on the church? Have you ever seen an attack that came from within? Have you ever seen an attack that leads people, the people of God, away from the truth of God in Scripture? Have you seen the people of God being led astray by destructive teachings, by greed, sensuality, teachings that run counter to Scripture and that diminish Christ and his work? I know, I know that several of you have because I've heard your stories. I have heard the stories that several of you have witnessed this and it's heartbreaking to see. This is still the plan of the enemy. This is still happening in the church today and this is still, hear me, our responsibility as the church to guard against this. Have you ever seen this attack? In so many ways, it is a lot easier to guard from the attack from out there than it is to guard from the attack that happens in here. Because out there, we can kind of just like puff our chests out together, stand shoulder to shoulder, say, we got this. The gates of hell won't prevail against this, right? We, we have this kind of swagger when it comes to attacks out there. But man, when it comes from within, that's messy. That's harder. There's more on the line, but it's critical. I want to push the question, not just have you seen it, um, 
but do you know how to spot this kind of attack? Because that's really the question. If we're talking about this, how do we spot this kind of attack in the church? As we said, this attack, attack is secret. There's no bugle blast in a yell of attack. It's secret. So how can you spot it? How can we spot it when this kind of attack is happening? I want to just add a little side note here. We can't always trust our gut on this. Here's what I mean. Uh, some of you hear this and you're like, well, I'll know it when I see it. Right? Um, I know me and you know you. All of us together know, you should know, that we can, in fact, be deceived from time to time, the wisest among us. In fact, it was Jeremiah earlier in his letter in, in I believe, chapter 17, where that, that text says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick, and who can understand it? In other words, the way we feel about something can be tricked. We can be deceived. Our hearts can be deceived. So how can we know and spot this kind of attack in the church? Let's get personal here. Um, how can you spot this kind of attack if it were beginning to take place here at Stone Oak Bible Church? How can you spot this attack going on in our city? How can you spot this kind of attack? With the mind of Christ, thinking scripturally, how can you guard from within? Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give us five things to spot. Five movements that if we see these things, it's a good indication that the bugle horn has been blown and the attack has been called and they're on their way. Five things that would indicate that something has gone astray. Five things that would show that there, might, there are potential secret lies that have begun to settle in. And as I say these things, I want you to hear two things. If you see these things, first thing I want you to see, if you see these things, in our church specifically or in church in general, the church in our city, it is not a call for you to say, abandon ship, I'm out. I see an attack coming, I'm out. Like, throw your hands up and say, forget it. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, this is a call, literally, for you to step up. To realize that if the Lord has brought this to your mind, shown you this truth, he's revealing it to you for a reason. Be careful and be on guard. Realize that the church will endure and the church is going to stand through it all and that God might want to use you to accomplish that. It's not a call to run, but instead to a call to prayer, a call to speak truth and love, patiently work to take ownership. And I, as I list these things, there may be brothers and sisters, just in all honesty, that might come to your mind. Um, they might come to your mind, brothers and sisters who may be struggling with some of these things, and it's up to us not to abandon them in their time of attack, but to intercede for them in prayer and to speak truth and love, praying that the Lord would provide an opportunity, knowing that it's often messy and that it's worth it. Second thing I want to see before we, we dive into these five things is my prayer as one of 
your elders here at Stone Oak Bible Church, my, my prayer is that none of these five movements that I'm about to list are present or will be seen in our church. But if, as I talk about these five things, you believe that you see areas that we are struggling, this is an open invitation. It is your responsibility, and you are on the hook to join us as your elders in guarding what God is doing in our church. Come to us, come to me, come to any of our elders so that we're, be, we're able to examine ourselves. You might be wrong. We might be wrong. We need to examine ourselves. We need to come together in prayer, and we need to repent if necessary so we can guard against these tax, attacks. This is not just an out there problem. It's an in here problem. So how do we spot these kinds of attacks? I want to, as I said, give you five things and the first one is this. There is a problem, problem when we see a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture. There is a problem in the church if you see a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture. Let me give you kind of what this means. Um, as we talked about last week in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter's uh, secession plan for when he is gone is in was scripture. It's the word of God. It's true. It's inspired. It's trustworthy. It was given to his people to know him and to follow him as the church. And so whenever we see a movement away from the truth of God in scripture, when the scripture is traded for something else, we need to understand that this is a sign of an attack. When we see things continually being taken out of Scripture or subtracted from, when things are intentionally left out, or on the other side, when things are being added and things that are being preached have no place in Scripture, be careful. When preaching and teaching becomes less and less about what God says through his word and more about being motivated and entertained, be careful. When scripture is consistently taken out of context, be careful. When scripture is weaponized, be careful. When new truth is being proclaimed, if you ever begin to think, oh wow, no one has ever seen this before in scripture. And no one has this new and special way of knowledge here. Ah. Warning, be careful. Every cult that has come from Christianity has taken something from Scripture, taken it out of its greater context, and weaponized it. Be careful. Guard against this. Whenever there is a movement away from the simple proclamation of God's word, your radars should be pinging. Whenever our gatherings are, are devoid of God's word, be careful. A sign of a healthy church is a reliance and a constant proclamation of Scripture. And if there's a movement away from that, there's a sign that we are vulnerable. And if the attack hasn't begun already, that we are vulnerable. But chances are the attack has already begun. 
That is the first indicator. There's a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture. Second, there is a problem when we see a movement away from the supremacy of Christ. Whenever we see a movement away from what we call gospel centrality, the simple proclamation of Christ for the salvation of souls, be careful. When there is a reliance on worldly principles to grow his church, be careful. When we begin to think that our success depends on us, depends on our business smarts, our music, our programs, our preaching, when it becomes about a person or a program, when it becomes more about a pastor, be careful. To put it bluntly, when the success of the church is seen to depend on the charisma or abilities of any person or pastor, when it becomes more about the preacher than the Christ that the preacher preaches, be careful. Christ is the answer, the power, he will build his church, and when the power of the church is anything else, then the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, be careful and be on guard. We say this a lot, but the church really and truly has one trick up our sleeves. We, are, we have one thing, we are a one-trick pony. Right? That's it. We have Christ, we proclaim Christ, we have the gospel of Christ, and any time that we cease to become a one-trick pony, Anytime there's another trick that's added to that bag, be careful and be on guard. Be careful when you see a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture, a movement away from the supremacy of Christ. And third, here's the third problem. There is a problem when we see a movement away from holiness. This is a huge indicator, like a light that is blinking on your dashboard. Peter has already directed our attention to this in chapter one. He's called our attention multiple times to something he calls godliness. When the church is no longer content with being countercultural, be careful. When the church is seen, sees it as a failure when they are different from the world around them, be careful. When our values and when our message begins to match our world, when we're no longer content being a holy and a set-apart people from the world, when we are no longer content being seen as those people, be careful. When we desire to mimic our culture more than we desire to reach those in our culture, when we no longer call people out of the world's ways because we don't want to offend them, be careful. When we're unable to even talk anymore about Christian holiness, be careful. Here in our text, the secret attack was led out with sensuality and greed. In other words, there was a movement away from Christian holiness. And when we begin to be content with sin in our lives and in our churches, when we preach and live a morality that has been modified, 
taking lightly the grace of God and preaching a softer morality that is just a little bit less at odds with the world around us. God, forgive us. Be careful. Be on guard. When the church begins to look just like the world, and hear me, even when it's done from a heart to reach the world, still be careful. Be careful when we are no longer countercultural. The truth is that when the world, when the church looks just like the world, the world has no longer any need for the church. They can get greed, they can get sensuality, they can be exploited out there. They don't need that from in here. And when we become like that and are afraid to call out and call us to a different standard, we become just like the world and the world no longer has any need for us. Be careful. We lose our effectiveness when we stop being, when we're no longer countercultural. We have been given this wonderful task to know Jesus and to call others to know him and to follow him. And we, when we become uncomfortable with being a set-apart people to do that, be careful, be on guard. We lose our uniqueness and we have nothing to call the world to see. I'll say it like this and I'll move to the next one. Um, if the enemy can convince us to make our churches look just like the world around us, then the church will cease to be the light in the darkness and they, we will cease to be that city on a hill. Because we'll make perfect sense to the world around us. When there is a movement away from holiness, be careful, be on guard. Let me move forward. Number four, there is a problem when we see a movement away from humility. When we continually say, look at us, instead of look at him, when in moments of success do we take all credit, in moments of trials and failures do we take all blame? Be careful. I want to say this when the church celebrates itself more than Jesus, be careful. In our text again, the secret attack, do you remember what it's fueled by? It's fueled by greed, exploiting others. Greed and exploiting others. This is the opposite of humility. Humility does not build ourselves up at the expense of others. That is greed. Be careful. When the church thinks, begins to think that we are the greatest church on the planet, and there's this belief that, man, we are just the greatest church in our city. None of these other bozos get it. All those other churches, they just don't know what they're doing. Be careful. And I don't want you to hear me wrong. I do love our church. I love, I'm glad I'm here. But it's not because I believe we're the greatest. Like we're a new restaurant trying to take the old customers from other restaurants thinking we can offer something that they can't. So come here. We're awesome. Check us out. We do this better. No. Said we pray for these other congregations, that God would bless them. Be careful. If we ever build our kingdom up by tearing others down, be careful. This is a sign of an attack from the inside. 
We are exploiting them in order to build ourselves up. Be careful. Be guarded. I want to show you an example. I really debated whether or not to do this one, but um, I saw this. It was an ad that actually hit mailboxes. Um, Go ahead and show that. Now, there used to be a logo of a church here. I did take that out because I didn't want to badmouth a church while I'm telling you not to. Um, (laughs) But this was an ad that went out. Go to a church that doesn't suck. With a lovely mosquito that everyone loves mosquitoes, right? Um, (laughs) When we talk about our church... We love our church. We're excited to see where God is leading us. We love our church. But we love our church knowing that it is not about us. It's not about our church or how great we are. It's about the greatness of our God, the greatness of Christ. He is our greatness. The mark of following Christ, the mark of a healthy church in Christ is humility. Because following our humble Savior will lead us to humility. And any time there is a movement away from that, away from humility as the church, be careful and be on guard. So a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture, a movement away from the supremacy of Christ, a movement away from holiness, a movement away from humility. Lastly, there is a problem when we begin to see a movement away from love. The church, the body of Christ, Jesus says, will be known for its love. It's love for one another. It's love for what God loves. Peter's already drawn us our attention to this when he talks about brotherly love and agape love. And whenever you see a movement that is no longer marked by this, be careful. Because love does not exploit others. Love does not harm others. Whenever people are being used as commodities, being abused, being used, be careful and be on guard. This is, I want to be careful here because the church is is not a church that's going to, no church is going to be a church that's going to be able to love perfectly all the time. Um, We're people, we're imperfect people. However, if the church is not repenting of this and not pursuing to show the love of Christ, be on guard. If you see these things, be on guard. If the church becomes more interested in protecting itself, its own name, and its own reputation, then loving one another and showing love to others, be careful and be on guard. If we begin to see a movement away from the supremacy of Scripture, a movement away from the supremacy of Christ and the gospel, a movement away from holiness, a movement away from humility, and a movement away from love. Church, be careful and be on guard because that is what attacks from within look like. And these attacks are just as fatal, they are just as serious, and they call us to action. And if we begin to see these things, recognize these things, it is time first to pray that God would bring clarity to our hearts and our, and our minds. If you have a brother and sister, a church right now that comes to your mind that your heart is breaking for, 
Have you prayed for them? Pray for them more. Pray. Ask for discernment in what you are seeing. Do not take action until you bring this before the Lord in prayer. And as you pray, understand, if God has brought something to your heart, he has brought it to your heart for a reason. So pray and then speak truth in love so that we can see unity in Christ, guarding ourselves against the attacks from within. Remember, 2 Peter was not written to a group of elders. It was not written to just one elder at one church. No, it was written to all of us, the Christians, the church, because we all share together the responsibility to protect and to guard the church from these attacks. And I want to say this lastly, if as I've been kind of talking through this and as we've been thinking about attacks from within, if here in this moment God is convicting you of sin, convicting you, showing you that you have played the role of attacker, maybe it isn't here at this church, but maybe God is revealing that This has been you in past congregations you've been a part of. Maybe right now you look back and you see carnage. You see destruction left in your wake. If this is you, how incredible would it be if we began to take ownership of the tax from within? Where it's not just a, well, they were crazy. I'm sure they were. So are we. So, They were crazy. This is their problem. This is, if instead of doing that, we begin to realize and think more, well, is this me as well? Lord, have I ever played a role, a part in an attack from within? And listen, God's grace is more. His grace is sufficient. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Here in this letter, Peter cares deeply for the church. Christ cares deeply for the church, and we should care deeply for the church as well. Working to protect it from attacks, persevering in the attacks from out there, yes, but carefully guarding against the attacks from within. And let me push this further, repenting when we have been used in the attack. And in doing so, working to guard and protect what Jesus loves his bride, his body, his church. We'll continue on in this next week. Let me pray for us. Lord, it is so clear that you love your church, that you love the church more than we do. You love the church. You love Stone Oak Bible Church more than I do. I'm grateful for that. And Lord, would you just open our eyes to the secret attacks of the enemy, not just the attacks from out there. Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for those attacks. We, we do not stand in fear. But Lord, in this moment, would you bring discernment and clarity to attacks that happen in here? Not so that we can make much of ourselves. Not so that we can bring division. On the contrary. 
so that we can make much of you and so that we can bring unity. Unity in Christ. Lord, would you bring wisdom and clarity and discernment to all of us that together we can link arms and be careful and guard and protect what you love. And Lord, for anyone in this room who is feeling the weight of conviction that maybe there has been some things in the past in other churches and congregations, maybe even this one, Would you just show that that conviction that we feel is not a, a prompting to run away, but it's a prompting to lean in, that your arms are open, your forgiveness is here. And would you just cause us to be a people who own it, knowing that we are forgiven through the blood of your son. Would you help us not only guard against the attacks from within, um, around us, but Lord, if, if ever the enemy has intentions of using us, Lord, would you guard our hearts and create in us an awareness so that your church can stand and be the city on a hill, the light in the darkness. We know we stand on the fact that you are building your church and that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it and that the church will endure and the church will stand until the day that you return for it. So we rejoice in that and we pray that you would help us to, to protect and love and serve what you love your church. In Jesus' name, amen.